0: Something to talk about, something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about,
1: something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. Good Thursday afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Something to Talk About. I'm your host, Randy Wartelsky, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Remember when you were nine years old and you had it all planned out, the dress, the house, the life you would enjoy? For the guys, what kind of job you would have and how much vacation time you'd get. For the ladies, you planned it down to the very gender of each of your future children. Well, now you're in your mid-30s and it isn't quite how you planned it. Tuition is high. You can't meet it. You just went to parent-teacher conferences in school and were told your child needs extra help and don't know where to turn. How do you figure it all out in any decade of your life? How can you figure out... How to be happy in your life when things just don't turn out the way you planned. My guest today works through that question, but wouldn't quite put it that way. She has, quote, a great life, but she says it's all in the attitude. Tova Gerson is a former journalist who for the last nine years has been teaching preschool and says her dream job would be a job where you get to try out other people's jobs. Tova, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me so i have to ask you how does one transition from the business world to the business of teaching future jews ah uh, that's a great question well they're already jewish but you know future members <laughs> right older members of the jewish community
2: um well when i started working as a journalist the truth is they they really um they like to hire uh writers and teach them the business so i feel like i never Quite was in the business world, even though I was touching on the business world. But yeah, it was definitely a different life than what I, um, what I lead now. But, um, how do you transition from one to
1: another? Um, so let's, let's take the listeners back a little bit. So you started out, you were a creative writing major.
2: Yes, I was.
1: And after you finished college, turns out,
2: turns out creative writing majors don't, there's, there's not a, a, a very, not a um, big
1: market out there. not a
2: big market out there for creative creative writing majors, um, but I found this job at um, institutional investor. I thought the people were lovely, and it seemed like um, something to do to be honest i wasn 't even quite sure what I would be doing there. I really did not know the first the first time I was there the fr- i mean I got the job I went yet to interview with a bunch of different people uh, um, a bunch of different um uh, managing editors and then you hope that one likes you and um, um, i was picked up by the real estate group and um that, that was the- did
1: you know anything about real estate no not really you kind <laughs> of really. learned it on the job
2: no yeah you really learn everything on the job um so the first the first week i was there i had to write uh they have a financing record that you write every 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 quarter it's a quarterly record and um, i had to write this quarterly record and i had no idea what I was doing, but the idea is that, you know, they teach you, you're really on the job training. They really throw you into it and you have to research and figure, figure your, your own way and, um, use the, the really the people around you, the professionals in the field to, to make it work. So, um, I took out this guy for lunch. He was gonna, I, I, he was the head of, um, uh, the investment banking group at one of the big banks and the Somebody real
1: that you were interviewing.
2: Yeah, it was more like, um yeah, yeah, an interview, but it wasn't, it was just a, a you know, a meeting at that point. And, um, and he looked at me and he said, you don't know what you're doing, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. But he, he really walked me through everything. And from then, you know, he really was more of a relationship oriented um, business. So you pick up the information as you pick up the relationships.
1: Yeah, I, I worked for a time at a business news station and I, I thought I knew a little bit about business when mm-hmm. I started there and I had had so much experience in news by the time i graduated i had had internships in all different kinds of news outlets and by the time i worked at this job i really thought like i i felt confident like i know what i'm doing here i know how to work the machines i know how to talk the talk i know all the lingo and then i realized that the one thing i really didn't know anything about was business Mm-hmm. and i really i had to learn very quickly
2: yeah very, yeah, very but quickly. i think that's a that's a great way to learn when you have to learn quickly i mean I,
1: I didn't understand why at 830 i guess these economic numbers come out every once in a while and i'm like why is everyone scrambling <laughs> it's just a number i don't even know oh, but after you know a little while on the job you do you do pick up so much more oh, in one goodness. day than in an entire course yeah. at
2: college oh yeah for sure after after 3 months i knew I knew how to write a financing record.
1: (laughs) I don't even know what a financing record
2: is, but I I should know.
1: Can't even remember really. I should know. (laughs) So you covered real estate for the newsletter. Yeah. Did you get a chance to meet any of the biggest, uh, real real estate moguls around? It did
2: not hurt me to be, um, a Jewish person covering real estate. There were a lot of, um, really wonderful, um, really wonderful people. Um, any
1: people you can name that you spoke with?
2: Um, yeah, sure. I, I spoke to Donald Trump. Once. Did you? He was great. He was great. He was really lovely, really lovely on the phone. I remember. Did you have to go through
1: a lot of channels to get to him?
2: Um, I really expected to, but, um, I called his office. I was patched through to his secretary. Sort of
1: like just like a regular routine. Like I'm a reporter covering this story. Yeah, blah, I, was, blah. I
2: did not expect to, to get him on the phone. It was just a story I was doing. And I, I just thought, oh, this is routine. And, and, um, you know, you always, you always try for the, the big ones, but you you never know what you're going to get. And I said, Oh, Mr. Trump will be on the, on the phone with you in a minute. And he was fabulous. He was great. It was thrilling to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and he was really, really nice, very nice person on the phone.
1: Well, you know, name dropping the name of your, of your newsletter yeah. could also help when you're calling somebody who's familiar with it. Like yeah, I remember but- when I was working at, at this business news station like I just all I had to do was call and say I'm calling from so-and-so and there they were they didn't care who I was it's funny so uh, more often than not it, it's the opposite because
2: you know you're calling bankers you're calling they don't want to be you know they don't want to be quoted they don't want to there's right. a, there's one usually... thing I
1: did yes one thing I did learn I agree with you that um, I actually subbed once for another production associate who was out and I learned the hard way that when reporters make contact mm-hmm. with people in the field, bankers or who, whatever field you're covering, those contacts are gold. Gold, yes. And I, I, I it my was a, job, that was, was a real life lesson. My job was
2: every day based on these contacts. I could not have, I could not have made it work without their help. They were, they were wonderful. And, um, actually one time I, an, an amazing, person in real estate. I mean, he really built the real estate investment trust world um, with Sam Zell. And that was, I don't know if you know the name Sam Zell, but that was a, that was a thrilling meeting for me because, you know, I was a young reporter and just to be, just for him to take
1: the time to meet with me, that was, that was.
2: And he obviously had to do a lot of research. Oh
1: yeah. Before you met with the people that you met with. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And prepare yourself for whatever interview you are going to, but that's, you know, that's the job of a journalist. That's true. It is a never ending job. Um, yeah, sure. Um, until you end it. (laughs) Right. So, so that's a good segue because, um, you talked about that job as something you never left at work. Yeah. Um, I felt, I loved
2: it. The people were fabulous. They were so willing to teach and to uh, motivate. Um, but I had a baby and um when i when I would you know i I have never felt like I could leave it, I was always thinking about my uh, the job, not the baby <laughs> I certainly couldn't leave the baby, but I never felt For like many I could...
1: people that is the opposite. yeah
2: right <laughs> I never felt like I could leave the job at home. I was constantly worried about my um story count or how to um uh what what was going to be what my... does that
1: mean your story count uh,
2: you had to keep your you know to make sure you're you're filling the pages to make sure your story count is high and make sure you're you're you know you're pulling your weight and in terms of the team, mm-hmm. um, and to make sure I was on the cover every week, you know, he couldn't couldn't be buried in in the you know page five or six or it's like nine. A writer
1: eat writers world over there.
2: Yeah, you need to you need to present and, and um, you need to show up on the front page. If if not top billing, so that was tough. But um, so you felt a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah, it was pressured. Um, wonderful pressure. Not, I, I don't think it was. You know, I. I think I could have managed it had I stayed, but, um, but I just felt like I was never leaving it and I was just working to pay a babysitter. So So
1: you took a little time off. Mm -hmm. You spent some time with your son. Yes, I did. And how was that transition? Um, at first it was wonderful. You know, he, he napped a
2: lot, so I really had a lot of free time, but, um, a lot of online shopping. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, We had dial up then, so it really wasn't, it was a blessing that we didn't have I could either be on the phone or on the internet. Oh so gosh, I, yeah. So I was like, rah, rah,
1: rah, rah, rah. right, right.
2: So I, I never, remember that. Yes, I never ended up um, shopping too much online. My daughter just there.
1: asked me because she's doing a the invention fair yes, invention, yes. in school, and she asked me about something that I remember being invented, and to, like to tell her about it. And I was talking to her about how I remember our first answering machine <laughs> with like the cassette tape, like when yes. my parents brought it home. And um, how amazing, you know, the technology. So even I haven't thought about it's dial-up incredible. in like
2: years. I know. Yeah. I, I, I can hear
1: that noise. Like, Yeah. And to think packaging. about it now, I mean, I just, um, I, I talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago about technology and I was talking about my new iPhone and it's this just, nice. the technology yeah. is amazing. I
2: I think I might've been the last person in my area to, to switch from dial-up to, uh, what is it? Broadband? I don't know what they called it then. Yeah. I don't know what. DSL?
1: I don't know. Broad, yeah. I like, don't know. This is not my, yeah, my area of expertise, clearly. But I was,
2: I think, of the last person, like, when I called to switch, they were like, Tova, you finally broke. <laughs> yeah. It was a while till I, till I switched from Silo. But I would, I would... See,
1: you go from this life of story counts and, you know, being on the front page to, okay, I'm home now. Bottles and, yeah. you know, long walks. Yeah. I, that's exactly what I did. I, I took a long walk every day. Um
2: I remember it being wonderful, but I also remember complaining a lot about it. I think I wasn't, um, I, I need a good balance of free time and, um, structured, time. structured time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it wasn't a good balance for me, but I, I don't want to say I didn't enjoy it. I w- I enjoy it. If only I could have that again, it was
1: great. And it's funny because now as a full-time working mom, don't you find that when you have free time, you're so much more productive? No. Really? <laughs> i'm the opposite
2: really um i'm i have a i have a like a two-hour pocket some days in the afternoons and it's like i don't have a head on sometimes i can even today today i went um it was was just if you could have taped me it was just you would see people just going she's wasting so much time look at her i ran i went to the gym i had forgotten my sneakers and it was, you know, it's a 10-minute ride there. So then I went back and then I thought, okay, well, I needed to go buy something. So I'd, I had left the, the credit card at home. And then I said, okay, fine. I'll go pick up some chicken for dinner. I, I left, when I left the store, I left the bag there.
1: So oh, go God. Back. It was just a, I had So in the two hours, all you did was spend two, time the in the car. Hours,
2: I really went through a lot of gas.
1: There and back and there and back.
2: Yeah, there and back. But yes, normally... But, Normally so, but now on your cool
1: iPhone, you could listen to the JM C- and the AM app on your phone in your car.
2: Can I tell you the
1: coolest? And you can catch this show yes. the next time you have For sure. some free pockets of time. Can I tell you the coolest thing about my iPhone? Recently, my
2: husband was in Israel, and he had the iPad with him, mm-hmm. and I was I had my Safe iPhone. See, FaceTimed. Well, better yet, my daughter was having a gymnastics... Um, what do you call it? Recital, re- yeah, recital.
1: Oh, and, and he didn't and have to miss it. He, he didn't thought... have to miss
2: it. Yeah, I was holding, I was holding my phone. He was looking at her show.
1: Watching so you are show. the commercial. Yes, that's the commercial. I couldn't believe it, it wasn't even a video. That's when I, I, re- it's really struck me. You know, it was the iPhone thing. commercial that got me. Oh, really? To I'll you. tell you that really pushed me over the edge. When the guy takes the phone and he presses the button and he talks to Siri mm-hmm. and he says. Please remind me to clean up my room tomorrow. Yeah. And then Siri says, appointment set, Mr. Whoever was some big actor. Yes. Appointment set, clean up room Wednesday at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I need that. Yes. I need that management in it. my life. Yes, absolutely.
2: I, I, Even today I was putting in a, yet another carpool in my phone and um somebody said, oh, should I make a card for you? Should I write this out? And, no, it's in my phone. It's, right. The it's in my, phone it's
1: is my phone. It's golden. The phone is gold. Yeah. yeah. As long as it doesn't forget to remind you.
2: Yeah. Or as long as you don't like click on the calendar to look at what you have today. Cause yeah. I did recently. Miss, I did recently miss a birthday party for one of my, for one of my kids. Oops. Not their own birthday party, but a birthday party they were going to. Oops. Because I didn't look at that. Happy belated today. birthday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um. So how That's, much time did you spend at home with your son before you? went back to work? Um, about a year, about a year. Mm-hmm. And what gave you the push to want to get back into the workforce? It's funny. I wasn't even
2: really looking for something. I, I wasn't even sure where I would go, what I would do so much. I, I had freelanced a few articles here and there, but, um, uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful lady in, in the neighborhood I was living in, Um, she said she had worked in, um, SAR, Slaughter Akiba Academy in Riverdale. And, um, she was a teacher, a wonderful, revered teacher there. And she said, you know, you should, you should think about coming in there. It's a, it's a wonderful place. I think you'd really like it. I think you'd gel there. And that's it. So I went in for a few times. I subbed and I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. I went to the preschool and I just, I loved the environment. I thought it was just a wonderful, hands on, Every day, just just soaking in what they're saying. It was I thought it was fabulous. So
1: and here you are nine it. years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And still enjoying preschool.
2: Yes, yes, very much.
1: And not so much missing the work that you never left at work. No, not really.
2: No, I think I if I stayed there I would have been happy. I'm a I I I like I liked the environment. I liked working there. Um, the people were great, and I think I could have done fine there too, but yeah, I, I was, the change worked for me.
1: We, uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about Tova and her positive attitude and how (laughs) you can have a positive attitude as well. And, uh, we will be right back right after this.
0: You can ride the stars Or sail the seven seas You can cure the heart Or raise a family But no matter what Or where or who you are You have the power The power to be You can teach a child That love is evermore And when you see them smile, your soul begins to soar. power to be Be beyond your own horizons. You have the power, the power to be.
1: Welcome back to Something to Talk About. I'm Randy Wartowski and I'm sitting here with Tova Gerson. Tova is a former journalist who has now, who now works as a preschool teacher. And Tova's talking with us today about being happy in your life, even when your life goes through changes and, um, when you transition from one kind of life to another kind of life. Tova, you have said that if you like something and you're good at it, you can be successful, that you should always do what you like. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's about 50 other
2: things that I could be doing that I like. Um, but I found something that I love to do. And I think, I think if you're doing something you love, you're going to love waking up and going to your job and, or if it's a job and, um, and doing it and seeing it through every
1: day. If you don't like it, you're just not going to be happy. Yeah, I think that's really important also. And somebody once gave that advice to me when I was considering leaving one job and going to another job and that, and this was a mentor of mine who said, um, you know, it's time to move on when you stop liking it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's probably what happened with me.
2: I just stopped liking journalism or I just felt like my life had moved in a different direction and that was okay to stop liking it then, even though, It was hard. It definitely was hard to leave. I kept saying to myself, this is a great job. Why would I leave this? This is a fabulous, I'm doing something interesting. I'm doing something different. You know, I felt invigorated every day. It was definitely fast paced. Every week was different since it was a weekly, um, publication, but I, I just felt it definitely was a a, a struggle or a decision to make when I left. But, um, I felt like my life had taken a change, and I'm
1: sure most people, when they have kids, feel that. You know what makes me nervous about changing something in your life, something as significant as working or not working or having this kind of job, having that kind of job? Um, well, two things. Um, the biggest thing I, I, I fear is that that particular opportunity would not repeat itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. I like to call my, some, myself somebody who could never buy anything final sale. Because I, I get very nervous about, wow, this is such a great opportunity. How could I leave? And what if I leave and I change my mind and I want to come back and then it's not there anymore? Yeah, that's for sure. I
2: definitely, I, I definitely give that advice to other friends of mine. When an opportunity comes along and, um, it's, it's a good opportunity, take it, take it. My, um, uh, the, when I, when I decided to leave SAR to have, um, my third, Child thank god um i uh, I and work thought, closer to home, yeah, I we closer to home but i I didn't have a job closer to home. I thought maybe something will come up and and maybe it won't and and I'll figure it out then. um it was too hard to commute the commute was wearing on us and I have vomiters. So Ooh, <laughs> lovely. In the car.
1: Lovely. The car. It, was, it was a
2: constant cleanup on the Henry Hudson. So um
1: I would say was... normally on radio that's probably too much information. Sorry, but, but
2: some people might be is in their cars.
1: Something to talk about. And this is I'm sure something that many of our listeners have experienced as well. Anything to not be in the car with my vomiting child.
2: Yes, I could talk I could tell you how to how to pad your car seat appropriately. Okay, this does not have
1: to be our topic for the day. We can move on from that. Okay, fine. we can move on from but that. But there
2: are things you could do.
1: But folks, if you want to email me, <laughs> I now have an email address. You can email me at randy at nachumseigel and I can most certainly send you Toba's way if you're looking for tips like that. <laughs> tips on how to pad. So, your so car definitely, seat. <laughs> definitely for do easier pipe cleanup.
2: In. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think if an opportunity comes up, you definitely should take it. And don't worry that another opportunity won't, well, don't worry that another opportunity won't present itself, but y- you should, you sh- if it feels right, if it feels like something you should do. You should take that opportunity. Right, so
1: people talk about that, the gut,
2: listen the gut, to your yes. gut,
1: listen to what your gut is saying. That's true. I, do I not have one?
2: I don't know, but I or, have, or, am
1: I, or do I just like everything? <laughs> i mean when i graduated college i had you know the world is open mm-hmm. i thank god I, at the time i had a lot of opportunities a lot of interests a lot of different directions i could have gone in um it was so hard to decide what to do i almost felt like people in school are so lucky because mm-hmm. they get to do everything right and then you graduate and you have to pick just one thing i
2: really wish i could I, that is my ultimate job to just try out different jobs i think it would be so fun to just
1: what do you think would be the craziest job that you'd like to hear about, find out about. Hmm. There's that wonderful show on TV where the CEOs, I don't know if it's still on now, but I've seen it, where CEOs go into the ranks oh, in yes. their companies to experience what, I what like it's like. Let's say like, you know, the CEO of, I don't know, some big store chain right. would go in and work as like a, a checkout clerk so they could get more of an appreciation of how the, how yeah. the company works and on all the different, you all the different places that you know people work i can't
2: think of what i would want to do if i could do anything
1: maybe i would because there's so much to do
2: yeah there is so much to do i would i it sounds like i think learning how to teach a dance class that's what's coming to me now
1: learning that's you think yeah. that would that's to your job
2: a, to teach a dance class I, and i'm not a very good dancer but maybe that's why
1: that you'd want to be dance the, you'd want to be the teacher yeah yeah that's cool yeah, sounds fun, right? Sounds fun. I used to love Israeli dance. My mother-in-law is a, is a wonderful Israeli dancer. Oh, really? And she has taught Israeli dance. When you go to... She can probably teach you.
2: Used to be when, to you, when you went to a simcha, it was all about the Israeli dances. Yeah. And you would just go, oh my
1: God, I know this one.
2: Right. Like, that's my jam.
1: Right. <laughs> now it's good. Now I like to
2: just walk around in a circle. It's yeah, but good. then it turned into like an elimination dance when like you have like 30 people in the in the circle and then... They play a different song, and then you know, ten people kind of duck out. And right. I don't. I don't know this one, but it's an elimination round. And then
1: you do the clapping on the side, <laughs> yeah. and then you realize that yeah, but you now it's, happy clapping.
2: it's not. It's, we need to bring Israeli dance back. Well, it's not as big as sim, at as Simcha's so anymore. So that's
1: your dream job.
2: bring but, Israeli. But, but let's go no, back to if reality. If I could do anything, yeah. and you as a musical p- person would would appreciate this, I would love to play the electric fiddle.
1: Electric fiddle. Yeah, is
2: that like a, I'm assuming it's related to a violin or electric right. violin. Right. I would love, I feel like I just, all that's keeping me from doing it is that I don't know how to do it. And I don't have a violin or fiddle.
1: I know what I'm getting you for Hanukkah. <laughs> electric violin. I love it. I no, wish not I the whole violin. Just one lesson. One le- you woo. have to supply the <laughs> instrument. I'll I get would, you one lesson. I would love
2: to learn how to do that. That's what I think I could do that. That's pretty cool. I remember,
1: I remember not like being very excited about driving and saying, I can't wait until I'm able to sit down and just drive. Learning how to drive was very cumbersome, but I I remember just going through drivers and thinking, I just want to get there and go into drive and just go. Yeah. Driving. Now I'm remembering driving to me
2: was such an outlet of freedom. It was such a fabulous, I would just get in my car and just drive down the highway when I learned how to drive. And I didn't have anywhere to go. I would just drive. I loved it.
1: But now you realize now that... I'm a
2: super backseat driver.
1: Oh, really? I'm awful. Don't drive with me. No. So just coming back to reality for a minute about the whole job conversation. Uh-huh. Part of me thinks that at some point, and I totally plan on telling this to my sons when they get older, my daughters, when they get older and they're in the job field in the, you know, looking, in mm-hmm. looking for jobs. At some point you do have to say, Um, I need to be able to, uh, put food on the table. Yes, of course. And I need to be able to support my family. Right. And at the end of the day, maybe whether or not I like it is not as important as what it could offer me in my life that I could enjoy.
2: There are definitely people that I've come across that have had to make that decision, um, and have chosen a job that they don't necessarily love. Um, Because it was just too good a job to pass up or, and, and yeah, actually a, a a friend of mine was just telling me her husband, um, works at a, um, one of the top investment banks and he really is not happy there. Right. But, um, I kind of said, you don't leave that job. Right. You
1: know, it's funny because I've heard that I've heard that there are people who, you know, who work very, very hard as, as lawyers and doctors and in business and they, they don't like it. But at the end of the day. If it affords you a life beyond your job that you could seriously enjoy, yes, all or the f- where you could, you know, be able to make life enjoyable for others, where you could be right. philanthropic, where you yes. could be charitable, I think all the all the factors have to um, play. You know, then maybe liking it is not number one. I think if you hate it,
2: hate, 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 you're probably not going to be great at it. But I could be wrong. I'm sure this right. If you hate, though, I do think if you hate something and you feel like it's, don't do it, don't do it.
1: And you're just not going to be productive.
2: Yeah. What? what's, you know, you'll just be killing yourself just to, I guess, benefit others. You're saying then no, I, I'd say don't find what you love.
1: So, so you, you get back to you like. it's, it's all about the attitude.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's true. You could have a good attitude where you, in a bad job, you can have a great attitude in a bad job could have a, just a, I I don't think, I don't think I was, I don't think I'm a talented, I don't think I was a talented journalist. I think you're very talented. (laughs) thanks. I don't think I was a talented journalist. I think I liked the people around me. Right. And I wanted to please them and I wanted to, you know, do well for them also. So it, it, that gave me drive, but I didn't wake up and say today I'm going to break a story.
1: And there are also certain things that you figure out later in life that just click better for you mm-hmm. that maybe when you were 19, this was something that clicked for you then that, you know, now I doesn't, don't know if I could divulge so your age, yeah, but, but now, uh, you know, just doesn't, I'm click. in my thirties. Uh, you know, I mean, for example, I remember I minored in art. Uh, huh. Oh, so I minored in art history. Oh, How funny! Cool. Loved um, it. loved it. Yeah. And it was, a, it was an area that I really didn't know much about. But I really enjoyed it, and Mm -hmm. I enjoyed, you know, sketching, and I enjoyed so much learning about art history. Mm -hmm. And I was never much of a history person, but it it just made sense to me. Yeah. But I remember going to museums for papers and projects and whatever, Mm -hmm. and I could stand in front of a painting, and I could sketch it, and then I could write about it. And I recently found one of my old papers. No, and I started reading it's it. It's
3: not
2: fun to read those. Back, and I was right?
1: like, "What? what I, was I, I writing? I didn't even understand anything that I wrote." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, when I was in college, I was really smart." <laughs> and even the sketching—that's uh, funny. And I know.
2: think the opposite. If I read a paper, I would think, "Now, why did I? You know, why did I write that? I could have done so much better."
1: Oh, <laughs> um, I looked back at this paper and I was like, "Wow, that's good."
2: Oh, okay.
1: I don't think I could write a paper like that today. Right. Analyze a painting the way that I did. And the sketch, the sketch was so good. I, I was impressed with myself that at that point in my life, I, I was good at sketching paintings. Good I don't you. know if could to do that. that now.
2: No, you know what? I bought, I bought this, um, a canvas and some paints and, um, it sat in my empty living room, which was just the, the throw all room. And, um, I didn't use it for years. And then one day I said, Oh, let's open this up. My kids had such a great time too. We took out these. It takes a, a two-dollar canvas to buy for kids is is just so much more um, inspiring than a piece of paper and a crayon.
1: Yeah, I just found uh, a painting that my daughter made in school. So it's probably one of those, like you said, two-dollar canvas.
2: Yeah, they're so.
1: And a two-dollar and... canvas, which cost me quite a bit of money to frame. Oh yes, is now a piece of art <laughs> hanging yeah. in her room.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a, a number of my kids stuff in frames. I love it. If people come into, there's one, a self portrait of my son that he did in kindergarten and, um, people come into the house all the time and they say, is that art? You know, cause it's kind of looks, looks like it's in a frame. I mean, it must be art. It is art. <laughs> it is art.
1: It's art. It's abstract.
2: It is art. Yeah. It's so yeah,
1: so yeah, that relates I, to I, our point, you know, surrounding yourself with things like that, that make you smile make when you, you walk into a Pictures room. Pictures
2: make me happy.
1: Um, you know why do people have pictures of their family at their desks at work yeah. because you you just take a glance there and and you think about what's really important and you mm-hmm. you think about what makes you happy, yeah, and that gets you through the day,
2: yeah, and I think I'm trying to um trying to transfer that happiness to your kids, you know, trying to figure out what makes them happy and and um bolstering that is also makes makes me happy. can I tell you on Chavez, my girls were playing um, veterinarian and, um, they had all their stuffed animals. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and they were including the two-year-old, um, in their play also. And they had set up a, a veterinary practice. that They were, they were really helping all these animals who really, really needed the help.
1: Of course. <laughs> all,
2: all morning it was, they, they were so involved. And then, um, we went out for lunch to friends and we came back and they were very, um, they had this Oh, what are we going to do now? There's nothing to do. Oh, what are we going to play with? There's nothing to play. And I really honestly wanted to take a nap on the couch. I said, I, I'm just going to lie down here for a few minutes. But they were, they were just, oh, well, there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. So my sister had given me um, a bag of stuffed animals to donate um, to a wonderful um, organization of Bears for Bergenfield where they send these teddy bears that people no longer need to um, to Israel, um, to soldiers, I guess, and, and to hospitals. And um, uh, so I, I crept into the garage and I took out this, this bag that was, you know, hidden there um, on its way. And um, I, I I snuck around to the front door and I set them up like as if they were waiting at the front in the door. Yes, in the waiting room? Oh, yes, like hilarious. waiting on the stairs. And then I crept back into the side door. I sat down. And then when they weren't looking, I knocked on the wall and I said, "Oh, I think that was a door. Let's go check who's who's at the door." I don't know. Are you expecting anybody? I'm not expecting anybody. I went to the door, and my five year old opened the door.
1: I can't believe
2: it! I can't
1: believe this is nuts. It was so
2: funny. I said, "You I guess, are so
1: sneaky." I said, "I guess." Did the, you get your nap? I
2: guess the, I did. I said, "I guess the word got out of your of your practice." And these, so she said, "Did you do this?" I said, "I've never seen these teddy bears in my life." Of <laughs> All course these not. Pandas and. And and a camel and a dinosaur. Who? I, where did these guys come from? That is awesome. It was and, great. Did they fix them? They did. It was another another hour and a half at least of play that I bought myself.
1: So. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. All, all's well that ends well. And yes. a day of play. In
2: day of play. It's anything to get your kids.
1: Well, we're going to take a short <laughs> break, and when we come back, you're going to hear about something that we're going to talk about that I shouldn't be talking about. We'll be back right after this.
3: I did di 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 Där duörung ska hända dagit Och hur
1: Welcome back to Something to Talk About. I'm your host, Randy Wartelski, and I'm sitting here with Tova Gerson, a former journalist come preschool teacher, teacher. who's talking to us today about attitude, and among other things. And we are at the segment of our program, Tova, that I love to call Something to Talk About That I Shouldn't Be Talking About. Mm -hmm. And this is more of an example here of how should you keep up your attitude when you're beaten down? Okay. But the topic is something that I really shouldn't be talking about because I know nothing about this topic. Okay. But you have mentioned to me your plans to complete the oh, triathlon. Okay. Yes. So that's something I'm. Is um, it is it called the New York City Triathlon? Well, you
2: could What's, do a, you could do a variety of, of different triathlons. There's a, a bunch of different kinds. This the one that I'm considering is the New York City Triathlon. Um, it's a pretty long ordeal, I guess. And
1: so what are the three events?
2: It's swimming. First you swim about a mile and then you bike about twenty five miles, and then you uh run or probably walk in a lot of cases or mine uh ten K, which is uh six point two miles. Um
1: Have you done anything like that before?
2: I've only done ten K's. I did uh a uh, three ten Ks. So I'm kind of I guess what running I Running or walking? Running. Uh the first one was a mix. The second one, I walked a little bit, but um, I'm confident I could do the running part. I'm confident I could do the running part if I didn't have the swim and the bike ahead of that. Right. Um, and 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 do our listeners know where you have to swim? Oh, this this one is the New York City Triathlon, so it's in the Hudson River. It's <laughs> I didn't realize how disgusting it is um but I I was I've been doing some that's pretty reading nasty. Yeah I've been doing some reading and apparently there's like a, a shower area afterwards where you kind of run through just just get like a little bit cleaned off and 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 um former triathletes were giving um tips on how to um avoid like I guess there's a, some sort of greasy buildup in the water it's disgusting oh, Sounds great. disgusting sounds really disgusting so,
1: so
0: you had I'm plans really, to
1: run you had a great attitude
2: I had a great attitude about it I and was now... so I was so excited um i'm i i guess i spoke to somebody who was a little bit on the more realistic side i'm i guess what i would uh categorize as a a non-athlete athlete athlete. like i'm really not not an athlete i don't but i i like to work out i guess i like to i mean i don't like it (laughs) during but i love the feeling afterwards and when i've done the 10k's it's such a wonderful feeling of being cheered on and supported i would even if you're going to what work,
1: kind of training have you done
2: well so that's a separate topic but but i'm saying in terms of the, i would i would totally recommend a 10k or any or 5k anything a 1k to anybody just to feel that feeling of being cheered on it's it's just it's wonderful and like I, it, it's a real lesson i feel like that's how we should approach a lot of things we should be cheered on and we should really be super motivated by the people around us to do whatever it is we are trying to do to motivate others. Um, so the training is intense and that's really where I, I, I spoke to somebody today who was more, um, had a more realistic, um, view of the training involved. And she was saying how it's a, it's really time consuming. And for, you know, a mother of four, a working mother of four, who's J- jewish also you know um there's that's a lot to that's a lot to handle and and you might not have the time to really put in to the training so i kind of thought today i had this great attitude like i said i don't care what it takes i'm gonna do this and i i don't care about time i'm just i just i'm in it to finish and and that's it i just want to finish it and i was really excited because i was it was it's to raise money for um uh, Charcherette, which is a breast cancer organization. And I thought, what a wonderful organization. I'm going to do this. This is really great. I'm going to, I'm going to raise the money and I'm going to do it. It's going to be fabulous. And then now I'm, I'm feeling like the back of my head. Oh, it's a lot. I don't think you can do this. Maybe you should just do one leg of it. Maybe at most, or maybe you should just do, try a different thing. You know, what are you messing with the triathlon for? You could do a, um, uh, this is actually a, what's called an Olympic triathlon. A sprint triathlon is, is, is shorter. So just pick a sprint and, and do that or do something less. But now I, I have my two sides just kind of, you know, at odds with each other saying, no, forget it. You could do it. Just just see it through or just focus. You have seven months to train, to to work at it, do it. And then the other side going...
1: This is a little bit more than you can So chew. you're more fearful about the training than the activity itself? Uh, so at first I
2: was fearful about the activity itself. You know, it's, it's rigorous, but you know, and, and it's a hard day, but uh, or for, for triathletes, a hard two hours for me, it would be a hard 10 hours. A whole day.
1: Yeah. A hard day. And the next day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, but then I kind of got over that. I said, okay, so it's one day, it's fine, you know. And then, and then now I'm seeing the next seven months as the as more of the hard part. So. But
1: isn't there something to be said about working toward a goal? Yes. And then realizing that goal. Yes. Seeing and, it through. Isn't throw. all the glory in? I mean, I, and then obviously you have to set a realistic goal. Right. So that's the question: if this is a realistic goal for me. And so that's what's been going through your mind now. Yeah, that's what I've been dealing
2: with actually. I had a very long conversation with someone I, a, a, a physical mentor, <laughs> who's someone I consider to be a really great athlete, a really great, um, she's a, I mean, she's really competitive, um, in her training. So I'm not, I don't have the competitive piece in me. I'm just more interested in, in completing
1: <laughs> than right. competing. I'm just getting it done.
2: Yeah. But, um, but she had a just more realistic approach to the training and I'm not sure that I really had a handle on the training, but I'm still really excited about it. And I think if I if I decided to quit, I really would be upset with myself for just not even trying. Right. Yeah. So definitely involves a lot more what do research. What you do with the
1: money you raise if you quit?
2: Oh, I think it's still going it to shark <laughs>
1: goes...
2: quit. Don't
1: counting on your money. Yeah,
2: it's true. Um yeah so that's i mean i i think um just this this sunday i um i did a 4 mile run which is um uh good for me <laughs> i don't know about how it relates to you randy but um it was good but what what was great about it was that i i kept the run for the whole 4 miles i didn't stop to walk which was which was a real um accomplishment you run me. with
1: music in your ears
2: yes always
1: do you step to the beat of the music yeah, sometimes.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, So my experience with running. So I actually have a sister who um for a long period of time I and mean, she she continues to to be very into athletics, but for a long period of time was very interested in running mm-hmm. and also speaks of that just great enjoyment and excitement about running. She yeah. just loved running. I don't um, love she it. She still loves running. Oh you don't love it? I don't
2: love it when I'm when I'm d do- i am when i am I think if there wasn't the thrill of the of the, I guess the crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would love it, but, but I love the feeling afterwards. So right. like Sunday, there was no crowd, but, um, I really did enjoy it. I, maybe, so, I,
1: so I maybe say, I so do
2: like it so and I don't she, even know I like it. Well, this show it's will about, tell you yes.
1: what you like. That is what the goal like. of this That's show right. is to reach inward. Cause the truth is, and figure out I, who
2: you are. When I do, when I do it, I'm happy. And when I, when I don't get to, to run, um, not so happy or, and when I just end up walking, I'm not as happy. So maybe I do love it. And I just didn't realize.
1: So I, I was very, um, I wouldn't say I wasn't interested. I wouldn't say I wasn't anti, but running was just not my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a runner. I, I could, I used to be able to sprint, you know, like I was like that, the, the, uh-huh. the last no, person on the relay, that. right? Cause I was a fast sprinter, but I couldn't, I couldn't really run long distances. So my sister, really kind of was encouraging me, like, just come with me, come for me for a short run, come with me. We, mm-hmm. we were away together on vacation, and she said, just come with me for the run. You'll see, you know, I'll I'll be nice to you. Like, I'll be easy All on right. you. So, you know, we put the iPods on, and we just went. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, there was something so invigorating mm-hmm. about, I mean, and I'm part of the pun, you know, cause obviously it's physically yes, invigorating, right. but emotionally invigorating to just sort of be at one with your, with yourself and your music and paying attention to only what's going on right. inside. It's, it's
2: funny you say that because this Sunday, I, I, when I w- went out running, I went with a friend of mine, the friend who's pushing me to do the triathlon or who's, who's, um, a pro or who's, uh, what's the word? Um, Somebody who's trained. No, no, I'm trying to think. Someone who's um, not negative, positive. Someone's positive. Thank okay. you. Positive about it. That was a hard
1: word to go. Yeah, with I that. don't
2: know. <laughs> My recall's bad today. Um, someone who's positive about it. And um, we were running together, and she was way ahead of me. And afterwards, she said, "You know, I didn't know about etiquette. Like, should I have waited for you?" I said, "No, absolutely not. Right? You got to do what's best for you." And I think that that's a, also that was a lesson for me that day because I said. I actually had a conversation with her about it afterwards, about doing what's best for you and, and, you know, obviously not at the detriment to others, but doing what's best for you at that moment and really listening to your gut and saying, you know, what's best for me right now. And, and sometimes that's better.
1: Right. Right. You know, it's funny because the lesson that I took from that one, it was only one Mm -hmm. time that I actually (laughs) did run with my sister. So she left our vacation spot like a day before me and she said to me, I really want you to run tomorrow by yourself. And I was like, oh, I I just didn't feel confident. Like, you know, you're totally in this in this own little world of your own. There are other people around, you know, you're, you're passing by other people on the track who are, you know, also in their own world. Like I just didn't feel so confident about it. And I pushed myself to wake up early, like at, you know, six o'clock in the morning and I went for a half an hour run. I should say it was a run yeah. walk. Yeah. run so walk. Walk. Those are also great. Those are great. And um, I did, like she said, I I, I stopped and I stretched uh-huh. when I stopped, you know, when I stopped during the walk and I, I stopped when I was done. I said, I understand now why people enjoy this so much. Right. And, and it's a great,
2: it's a great opportunity for time for yourself. Yeah. Or, but um, I'm not a morning person at all. But I've come to the, I'm really not a morning person, but um, I've come to the realization that if I need to kind of get it done in the morning because otherwise so many things happen during the day and then it doesn't end up just like today when I left my sneakers at home. It just didn't end up happening in the afternoon. So I, I really, I should have done it in the morning. I should have gone out for myself. Time that really doesn't belong to anybody else so that I'm not, I don't have the same, you know, mommy guilt or other guilt associated with time at di- different times during the day that I might be taking from somebody else that needed it or um, something else that I could have been doing some other organization that I was.
1: At. Right. Yeah. Because you here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So, but we've got just a little bit of time left here. Is there something else that you'd like to leave with our listeners?
2: I, I, a lot of people out ask me, I work with, um, I work with two-year-olds, uh, two and a half-year-olds at Lubavitch on the Palisades Preschool. It's in Tenafly. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful program for kids. Really just a totally invigorating, exciting, um, world for kids there. But anyways, people always ask me, how do you deal with Um, like you can't possibly like your job you you change other kids diapers and um, it's true I do I change other kids diapers and for the first two weeks it's a real job because you don't really know the kids so well but then You develop these relationships and you see them every day. And they're so, so, so adorable. Every teacher always thinks that their kids are the cutest. Mine are really, for sure. Of course. Of course. of course. Um, Yeah. But um, it's not a job after a while. You really, you're just, um, you're just there spending time with them, playing with them and, and, um, and, you know, enjoying your time. So it's not, it doesn't end up being as um, stinky as people,
1: people assume. Oh, good pun. (laughs) Good pun. And they do say that working with kids yeah. in general makes you happy.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's your attitude. If I, if I looked at the job as, um, a, just a diaper changing experience, it would not be so fun. But, uh, I guess I have a higher, um, sense of self about, um, about what I, what I'm doing with the kids. So it's not about the diaper changing, which is, uh, 10 minutes at, at the, you know, close to the end of the day. It's about the, the other hours that I get to spend with them.
1: That was beautiful. Well, Tova, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insight. Um, if our listeners want, have any questions, if anybody out there has any questions for myself or for Tova, you can email us at randy at We hope that today we've given you something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about.
0: Something to talk about. Let's give